Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Leaders. I'm Sam. Inspiration is one of the best ways to transform. Conversation with Leaders is a bi-weekly interview with industry key players, CEOs, financial authors, and professional money managers worldwide. Get valuable insights from people who've seen it all. Please remember that this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes. Stay tuned for additional disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Leaders. Today, I am joined by the CEO of Mana Drone Delivery, Bobby Healy. Bobby, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Sam. How are you? Yeah, yeah, very well, very well. It's great to have you uh, with us today. Where are you logging in from today? Uh, sunny Dublin, Ireland. Sunny, rainy, miserable, windy Ireland. <laughs> Yeah, I think all of us in the UK are experiencing that as well with the with the storm. Um, Bobby, before we get into a little bit about Manor, can you talk to us a little bit about your journey that has got you to where you are now? I know you started building video games and travel logistic companies before founding the company. So can you talk to us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm an engineer, a programmer uh, by trade, and I've been building companies for over 30 years. This is the fifth company that I've started up, um, started writing video games for some of the bigger labels, Nintendo and a bunch of movie titles, lovely work, great, the best technical work I've ever done. And then I spent 25 plus years building travel technology companies, most recently car trawler. And uh, that's taken me then for various different reasons into drone delivery, which is probably the hardest business I've ever started and certainly the most enjoyable and the biggest uh, target addressable market that we've ever looked at as a team yeah i, I uh, was having a quick look at uh, your twitter earlier i saw you're a big skier were you ever tempted to create a uh, skiing video game at one point it's funny the actually the Arn, I, I wrote a game called running man for the arnold schwarzenegger movie and that wow. had a bobsled in it if anyone remembers there was a, there was a it was all centered around a game show called Running Man. And one of the things was this bobsled. And part of the game on the Nintendo version, actually, and the Spectrum version, had a bobsled scene. And that's as close as I've gotten to a ski game. And it was terrible, wow. by the way. The worst game I've ever written. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit uh, about Mana then. And, and for those that don't know, can you give us a little bit of an overview uh, about the company? Yes, I mean, Mana, Mana Drone Delivery is the official name of the company. And uh, for those that don't know what the word means, um, half people do, half don't. Mana is a biblical term from uh, where God apparently sent yeah. food to, I think it was the Israelites, when there was a famine and it was food from heaven sent by birds. And I wouldn't be a religious person at all, but I thought that was a great name for drone delivery of food. right? Yeah. And so the idea is very simple. It's um, a scalable, reliable, quiet, green, uh, efficient, fast, you name it, uh, way to transport goods around suburban communities. And so we are delivery as a service and delivery of the obvious things. Takeaway food is what most people think about. Prescription medicines, another one. But really the killer app for, for drone delivery is perishable products like sort of hot coffee, uh, takeaway mm. food, those kinds of things. And we've been five years operating now, operating commercially, delivering to real people, 
uh, in real scenarios for over three years. Wow. I mean, uh, collaboration, I guess, is, is quite an important aspect, uh, certainly in the sort of technology industry. Can you share any notable partnerships or plans and collaborations that your company has, has had over the years and for the future? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, uh, we essentially power local suburban businesses for, you know, local restaurants, local coffee shops and so on. So most of your, your listeners won't have heard of most of the brands we partner with. But we also did do a deal with Coca-Cola, HBC. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Coca-Cola, HBC became an investor in the business in, at the end of 2022. And we have a, a strategic deal with them for, all, for over 30 markets. Similarly, we did a deal with Unilever for the Ben and Jerry's products, and you know we we have a bunch of new, very large announcements that haven't gone public yet that will go in the coming weeks. And the way to think about us for people is we're a hundred percent replacement for road-based delivery. So mm-hmm. if you have drone delivery, you don't need road-based delivery. You can fly in any weather. Ninety-seven percent of Irish weather, which means pretty much. <laughs> you know you could fly on mars um and and so you'll expect to see mana as a delivery service replacing every last mile solution and that means that we'll be powering all all of the big brands we had a partnership as you know we still do with tesco uh, for Mm -hmm. grocery delivery and we'd we'd expect now as we grow across europe particularly to start expanding those partnerships to pretty much every retailer of importance in every suburban community initially in Europe. And then we are live in the USA as well. And hopefully for those UK listeners, we'll be live in the UK sometime this year as well. Fascinating. And I guess it's it's a challenge, I guess, that all drone related companies will have around sort of the concerns with privacy and regulatory issues uh, around the drone usage. Well, what sort of steps does your company take for yeah. that? Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's funny. It's such an emotive space drone delivery because so many people have so many perceptions, better, whether positive or negative, about mm-hmm. what we do. And the, the word drone is a bad word up to now, for sure. I mean, it, they've featured in all the wrong places and they've been used and abused for invading privacy, both by personal people, by police forces, you name it. And so drone is a technology. It's just a technology, right? And how you apply it and how you use it can be for good reasons in one person's view of the world and and those reasons are bad in others like witness what they've done with drones in china um you know really invading privacy uh and in reality commercial operators in the modern world are regulated by aviation regulators and also by simple things like europe and privacy rules and things like that so the truth is that a company like ours that's regulated and licensed by an aviation regulator has no legal right for invading privacy and wouldn't do it anyway as a, as a point of principle, and but it's also a point of law. So we have no customer data. We have absolutely no videos or photos of our mm. customers that we can take from the aircraft, no possibility to do that. We don't even know your phone number or your email address when you do business with us. We, we know a GPS coordinate where we start flying, and we yeah. know GPS coordinates where we deliver, and that is the data we have. So, you know, people are rightfully concerned. And when you ask them about what their concerns are about drone delivery, top one is actually noise. Second one is privacy. 
Um, third one, believe it or not, is job loss. And then the fourth one is safety, if you stack rank them. And so there's no issue with privacy. We, we, we don't have any data or record or view any uh, private information or people. Um, noise is not an issue either, believe it or not. And we fly high enough that you can't hear us when we fly overhead. When we come into the descent, we've got a, an unusual industrial style aircraft that's designed to be quiet. So we have no noise complaints whatsoever. And we've been operating three years and done 170,000 flights now. Um, and our other peers in the industry, like Google, have a drone delivery program. We've done you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of flights now, actually, and have a handful of complaints. So we know that there's a lot of perceived issues that yeah. are valid perception uh, mistakes, I would say. But the, once we roll out, as we enter town and people actually witness the service, it turns out it's not a big deal after all. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting, um, those concerns. And it, I, I guess a lot of people will be uh, welcoming those responses. On, on one of those points, I can't remember what number it was on the job losses. How do you foresee that? Is it actually an industry where you actually see jobs being created? Yeah, look, look, any technology, disruptive technology, often comes with a fear of mm. direct job losses, right? So if I, with a drone, replace a delivery driver, that's a job loss. Of, of yeah. course it is. Um, but the truth is, if you give a local restaurant or a local coffee shop or a local retailer fruit and veg or meat or wh whatever it is, in a suburban community, if you give them access to 150,000 customers with a three-minute delivery promise, yeah. and you do that in a way that's affordable for them, that just transforms that small local business. And, and the local bookshop that we power has a better product than Amazon has. So wow. you transform customers with good logistics, customers to us being vendors, and that in turn, if the, if the local restaurants thrive because they have a really steady delivery business seven days of the week, that's a business that creates jobs and creates livelihoods for people where in an industry that's really difficult to make work. So for sure, we displace delivery drivers, but but look at that job on the surface. It's it's usually young people, students mm -hmm. quite often on bikes, motorbikes, yeah. cars, racing through the streets in the dark, in the rain. I wouldn't want any of my children doing that job. And I know it's a, it's a good livelihood. It's a good income for a lot of people, of course. But net-net, we're going to create an enormous amount of jobs. And we're going to yeah. take dangerous jobs off the roads. And that's net-net, a very good thing. Yeah, positive game changer for sure. How do you envision the integration of these drones into various different industries within the sort of the next five, ten years? And, and, and have you, or has your company got your eyes on uh, a certain role to play in all of that? I mean, think, uh, I think primarily the, the easy and obvious industries that we think about are perishable products, so takeaway food, you know, yeah. coffee, lo local produce. The, the use cases that most people think about not knowing about what the industry is like, um, they think about pharmacy delivery, they think about critical health service, those types of things, defibrillators, things like that. And yes, those are fantastic use cases for drone delivery. Uh, it'll do it better in, in nearly every way. But when you're rolling out an infrastructure, when you're providing an infrastructure to a population, and that's the way to look at us is an infrastructure is capex heavy, it's operationally very expensive to start off, all of that. For any infrastructure, you need volume, you need frequency, you need utilization of that infrastructure. And in order to underpin high utilization for 
you know piece of capital you need a lot of customers and you need a lot of frequency and so you have to start with use cases that that power that that provide that volume that demand given a gen whatever the population density so Particularly, you need to look at suburbs differently than urban, dense urban areas like London. A suburb doesn't have the population density on its own to support a low, a low volume, low utilization product like pharmacy delivery. So therefore, you underpin the infrastructure with very important everyday use cases like gro- grocery, coffee, perishables. And that pays for the infrastructure and makes it profitable. And then you can layer on important other socially more important use cases like medicine, uh, delivery, defibrillator. We already have a defibrillator delivery as an example, but that wouldn't exist if we didn't also have coffee delivery making the infrastructure work, right? So that's the way to think about it. It's kind of layered utilization and you build then other use cases afterwards. Yeah, interesting. When we talk about innovation and research and development of a company and and yours in particular then with the drone technology sector are there any advancements that you're particularly excited about how do you go about doing it is it you all sit around the table discuss these ideas and it's you you create a roadmap how how does it all happen um it's funny you know the, the the obvious new tech uh that you would think of in now is LLMs, right? AI, artificial yeah. general intelligence, LLMs, those kind of things. And as a technologist, that I get very excited by that, and I'm straight away thinking of ways to, not necessarily for mana, but ways for humankind to be turbocharged with this new technology. And as a company, we see AI and LLMs empower our programmers, our marketing people, everyone mm. go faster, do more with the same you know amount of hours in the day. Even myself, I mean, I'm reviewing a legal contract and I, I stuff it into an LLM and say, summarize that for me and tell me yeah. why that's different than what we said on this email, like stuff like that. So, so I think, you know, the human race is going to be more productive as a result of this technology. But does it apply to drone delivery? No, because it, it's a funny problem that drone delivery has. Drone delivery is aerospace and aviation. And we're regulated by aviation regulators. So the same people that look at an Airbus A320 look at our drone and look at our operation. And so non-deterministic or or probabilistic technologies like LLMs, where you don't know what the output will be based on any given input, it's, it's random. A lot of the time it's guessing and it's hallucinating. You'd never get that regulated. So you wouldn't be able to use that technology in our world. But the tech that does get me excited um, is a little more boring, it's battery tech. Mm-hmm. And what's enabled our industry has been solid state uh, sensors, MEM sensors, so gyros, accelerometers, things like that, that can go on a circuit board that allow our, our CPU or IMU to detect which way the aircraft is flying and to power electric motors to do control in high winds, right? That's very, very boring, but that came from the mobile phone revolution. Mm. And at the same time with the mobile phone revolution came really good gpu which we use on board as well for for analyzing lidar data for safety and then more importantly it's powered the lithium-ion optimization and high-scale manufacturing for batteries and where we get really excited is now you have large-scale manufacturing and very low cost of batteries Mm. coupled with high longevity so lots of cycles on the same batteries which reduce our costs and make us viable but if you look at the next five to ten years 
solid state batteries will have the promise and, and actually it's not even a promise now it's it's deliver, deliverable of going from 200 watt hours per kilo to three or 400 watt hours per kilo in terms of energy density and what that translates to us is longer range heavier yeah. packages harder weather we can fly in and we get all that for free like literally as that industry evolves and improves that goes straight to our capability bottom line so we get a free ride in inverted commas from any advances in the battery industry. I love the pun. Love the pun. Um, in terms of market See what expansion, I did there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. In terms of uh, market expansion, you know, are there any specific regions that you're maybe not in now that you want to be in or that you're going to be in or that you see certain areas where you're going to have better growth than others? Does that change all yeah. the time? Um yeah, we've always had the USA as our key target market, and that is the market that, that is the most exciting. It's 10 times what the value of the European market is, yeah. and that's just the way it is. Um, I should say the EU market, not the European market, And but the EU market is where regulations are fully baked and written into law as of beginning of 2023, so we have now an EU-wide license, so we're ready to go. But if I look at the markets that are most attractive, actually, in Europe, UK is the market that's the most attractive. There's there's more deliveries per household annually in the UK than there are in the rest of Europe rolled up times two. Wow. So the UK is a delivery, yeah, it's a glutton for delivery. And so for our type of business, it's 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 the Goldilocks in Europe. Yeah. Um, regulations are not ready yet in the UK um, for obvious reasons, but we're very hopeful that we, we did a, a flight or a project in the UK last summer, and we're, we are very hopeful to begin a launch in the UK this year, 2024, and it'll be dependent on the ability for, for us to meet the regulatory standards and, and, the, and the existence of those regulatory standards. Further afield, the USA, we're operating now in Texas. We've been operating since last October. It's going very well. We've a sensational result there, better even take up than we have in Europe. Nice. And while that's great news, we still need to wait for certain regulatory um, frameworks to be in place, particularly around airspace management in the USA before it becomes available for scaling. And our estimation at that time is another year, maybe 18, 24 months even before that happens in the USA. And We'll be in a position where we'll already have done a lot of scaling in Europe and we'll be the most ready to scale in the USA when that market opens up. Fantastic. Um, last few questions, and this one's a little bit of a random one that I just, just thought of. Do you, do you reckon that there's a chance that with the increased number of drone deliveries, the better it gets, the more common it gets, that you you could even have people that maybe wanted to live further out? into the sticks the suburbs but they were always like you know what it's just too far away from everything if oh, i want yeah. to go do you reckon that there could be like a long-term oh, yeah. play with people to say you know what oh, i'm going 100 we already get construction companies asking us to bring drone delivery and offering to fund us bringing drone delivery to their site so that they can put that on the box and if yeah. you look at where we're flying in texas we partnered with a company called Alliance Texas that have 26,000 mm -hmm. acres of their own properties, their construction company. And wow. they brought us to the USA so that they could say that every house they sell comes with drone delivery. It's as wow. important as having broadband to a house. 
So yeah, you're 100% right. If you are choosing between a home that has access to drone delivery versus the home that doesn't, it is a factor. And yeah. we're an infrastructure, we're a service just like broadband or mobile phone. And it would be a better way of living if you can get everything you need delivered within three minutes, no matter what the weather, no matter what the day or time of the day it is. So yeah, it's a big plus. Yeah, game changer. Um, next question, obviously you don't have to answer this one. Uh, you're, you're a private company. Um, do you have plans to, to sort of go public at, at some point? Is, is that something you, you're considering? Um, if, if, if any founder in, in a business space as big as drone delivery didn't have a plan to go public, mm-hmm. I would say there's something wrong with their heads. Yeah. Um, there's 5 billion, there's 5 billion food deliveries a year, just from the top four delivery companies. So DoorDash, Uber Eats, Just Eat, yeah, yeah. Every Hero, 5 billion growing at 15%. And it's an absolutely gigantic market that is underserved, right? So. The TAM, the totally addressable market for our space is stratospherically large. Mm. We can impact every single suburban household on the planet and have a meaningful and frequent relationship with that household. So the market is so ginormous that the only way to be a winner and really have a dominant position in the market is to be a public company because Mm -hmm. the capital that you're going to need to scale into that size of market is just going to be so huge. And then the other aspect of being a public company is drone delivery is something that resonates. Everyone on the planet knows about drone delivery. Yeah. So there's a personal connection for everybody with drone delivery. Whether you like it or, or don't like it, the majority of people love it. So yeah. there's a lot of tailwind in terms of automatic recognition and understanding of the business model that would justify it becoming a public company quite quickly. Now, we're not ready as a team, nor as a capital base, nor as a revenue. Uh, base we're not we don't deserve to be a public company mm-hmm. but 100 percent, our ambition as a team is to is to grow so fast and to get to that point as quickly as we can to to make the company public fantastic watch this airspace uh final question bobby you're a serial entrepreneur do you see yourself going down any route you know later on in your life if you've got any ideas that you would like to you know put into place whether that be separate mm-hmm. companies or, or anything like that yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in founders being able to do a few things at once. Yep. Um, but for something as complex as MANA, I think it needs quite a number of years to get. Like, I'm running this five years now. I think conservatively, it'll take at least another five years for this business to be independent of its founder. And mm-hmm. So it needs a lot of care. Uh, it's a high energy, seven day a week type business. So I definitely think of a lot of ideas and, I, and I've done a lot of angel investing and seed investing personally. Um, but right now, 100% of my headspace is is building this company. I do have some other side bets, particularly in the travel technology space where I came from. In fact, yeah. I co-founded and invested in a competitor to my previous business, Car Trawler. So I, I do have other uh, you know, buns in the oven or, or, or pokers in the fire, but um, a business like Man is just too complex and it's just too much management and it will be for quite some time. So as many ideas as I have, I have to unfortunately decline them. Put them a hold for now. Bobby, it's been uh, fantastic to have yeah. you on Conversations with Leaders. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure, Sam. Thank you.
You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results.